0: Okay, John, so let's start with what did retirement look like for you?
1: <laughs> Got to start with me, right? Uh, because uh, in retrospect, I was very excited to retire. I, would just, I had said to people that I seem to have been born to retire. Um, but I really hadn't prepared very well for it. So retirement looked like my life without work. The only thing that would change in my life was that I wasn't going to work.
0: Well, I think part of the um, excitement we both had about retirement was that we, our business was just about at its peak in 08 and it just got slammed down. And so for how many friggin' years did we labor? And finally our accountant said, you can retire.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think we both were, it was, it was um, a challenge Um, and we just, I think we had just had it. Yeah. Uh, and that's why we retired. We had just had it. Yeah. Um, the speaking business went completely south for us, not for other people necessarily, but it did for us to the point where it was very hard for us to bounce back.
0: Well, there's a big reason it went belly up for us, isn't it? Because we were in the home mortgage business. Yeah, was our, our biggest client,
1: client was, yeah. was in the home <laughs> mortgage business, and, and that all tanked. And we literally lost seven contracts overnight. Uh, overnight, they were long-term contracts, and it was just, they were gone. They evaporated.
0: And I think they, and the thing we did was, what many people do, we just hung in there. We kept thinking it was going to come to an end, come to an end. So we, we didn't really do anything. We just hung on. And that wore us out.
1: Wore us out completely. So that sort of was the backdrop. Um, I then went to work for a company um, that we had done business with. Um, It was a mistake right from the get-go for me. Uh, It was the wrong environment for me. Uh, and um, I lasted about a year, a little over a year, and said, "Okay, I I don't want to do this."
0: Well, the accountant said, "Okay, you can, you yeah. can go." Yeah, the really, accountant cause...
1: finally said, "I could, we could." Then I was gone.
0: You know, because as much as we really wanted to get the heck out of the uh, work world as it was for us at that time, we also didn't want to have a um, have a mortgage. We didn't want to have debt. We we were committed to having a debt free retirement, and so that was a huge commitment. Now, when you were ready for retire, you were ready to retire. I mean, sit back, wait for happy hours.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Relax. Me on the other hand, um, I still felt like I had a little something in me. There was something yet to be said, something yet to be experienced. I didn't know what the heck it was gonna be, but I wasn't ready to sit in our incredibly little comfortable cottage in Fountain Hills, Arizona, um, loving life. I, there was something left. And part of it I knew was going to involve travel. I had felt like my world had gotten a little small and it was time to get it bigger because something that does happen in retirement is that uh, worlds do get smaller and smaller and smaller. As you can do less, you lose friends, you know, it just gets to be itsy bitsy. It
1: certainly can get smaller if you allow it to. And... um Uh, We had always put off travel um, for our business. And because of that, we kept talking about wanting to travel in our retirement, wanting to travel extensively, uh, like a a lot in our retirement. And um, it just wasn't, uh, it was the one thing that we could agree on that we wanted to do was travel. The question was, how are we going to do it? Um, because we we didn't retire with gazillions of dollars in our portfolio. Uh, we were pretty well off, but we weren't gazillionaires. I'd
0: say we were comfortable. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And um, it would have been too easy for us to just stay in Fountain Hills where it's comfortable, but we wanted to travel. So how were we going to put that together? And we had done some traveling early on uh, after retirement and... Um, It's that was the place at the time when Bev discovered the possibility of Pet Well,
0: what what happened was I really was going, you know, we're not sure what kind of travelers we are. We very quickly learned we are not tourists. I mean, I can go to a couple of cathedrals and then I've had enough cathedrals.
1: Our first really long international trip was three months in Italy and then a month in Morocco. And in the three months in Italy, I can remember a couple of weeks in Rome, we were there for a month and I can remember saying to Bev, if I see another ruin, I'm gonna scream. Uh, Because it just is, I mean, it was overload and every place you'd go, there's another ruin.
0: Yeah. And it wasn't like, it wasn't just, it was beautiful. The food was great. Oh my God. I love the wine and the bread. And it was, the people were terrific. There was just, we both said there's something missing getting up every day and, and doing a tour. Isn't it? Now we, even, we did a lot of walking. We did a lot of sightseeing. Something was missing.
1: Yep. There was something we just couldn't do that anymore. Um, and Bev, tell them how you uncovered it. What, you know, what happened?
0: I seriously, all, all I knew was something was missing. And I kept focusing on what can we do to create this to be better, And which is something I do a lot. I create and adjust, create and adjust. You know, if something's not exactly how I want it, I look at it. And I believe in, if you will, divine intervention. One day I'm on the Internet and I'm looking, I fell into this site uh, around pet sitting. Now, we weren't interested in starting a business again. But we, um, we were interested in bringing pets back into our lives. We had a pug for 16 years who ran our life and who we just loved. John has just stepped away from the mic because we, we are pet sitting and one of the puppies was having a nightmare. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're both taking, we've got a, a, a pit bull and um, a um, boxer mix and they're both energetic, and they're just the they're just the cutest two. One's 11 years old, one's 11 months old. And uh, I had I just returned from a walk about an hour, a little over an hour walk with the little one, and he's sleeping in the sun. He and both he and his brother are sleeping in the sun, and he had a nightmare, as Bev said.
0: Yeah, he's had a little nightmare. Usually the older one has nightmares, but you know when the leg starts twitching and. <laughs> the vision.
1: Yeah. So, anyhow, so where are we? We
0: were back when I discovered pet sitting online. Oh boy. And so I looked at it and we 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 had known when our our pug passed that we weren't going to get another dog right away that we were going to first um create our life and then retrofit pets into it. See how it they fit. And we trusted that that was going to happen. So sure enough, we came across a site, we knew nothing about it. It seemed ludicrous. And John, what did you say?
1: Well, Bev uses the word we very generously. Um, The truth of the matter is I remember it vividly. She actually discovered this website about pet sitting. She discovered it late at night. Maybe it was early in the morning. She was on the internet. I was sound asleep. We were in Utah for the summer and she, I woke up, and she immediately started that she found this thing called pet sitting. She explained it to me, and I said, that's got to be the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I'm not usually that direct, am I?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I am, maybe so. Anyways, um, I just I couldn't imagine how you could create a life around travel um, by pet sitting for somebody else and why would would somebody have perfect strangers come in and take care of their loved ones their pets and their most important asset their home I, I just didn't get it
0: it was a little hard to imagine that they would be oh bye-bye after meeting you nose-to-nose for 12 or 24 hours and then giving you the keys to their house that <laughs> <laughs> Even I at times had trouble getting my. Now head around you that. say that. Yeah, no, but it's you know when I my weak moments. But the truth is, um, there is a whole layer of people who are part of like a trust society, yep. where they really do trust in other people. And I think there is a many of the pet sitters have said, you know, when people love their pets so much they don't want it, they want to make sure they stay in their home environment and they get the their routine walks and their food. And so they're not disrupted even though the pet owners may wanna go away. If pet owners love their pets that much, they're probably good people.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. But here's where the magic bullet was, where the big aha was. We were trying to figure out how we were gonna travel extensively. And I mean, by that I mean, The first time we really did international travel, we were gone for 12 months. Yeehaw! (laughs) That was hard to get home. Um, But so when you look at it, it's a barter arrangement. So we don't charge the homeowner for watching and caring for their pets, and they don't charge us for staying in their home. Well, all of a sudden, you're looking at your travel costs. A third of that is in your accommodations, Bingo! We just hit you know, the lottery in terms of how are we going to pay for this travel that we want to do extensively? And we thought we figured it out. And boy...
0: Well, here's we... the other thing, John, though. was Not only financially did it um, alleviate the budget, but it also gave an elegance to travel. I mean, for us, we like to cook. We like being in a home. We like a big comfy bed. We love to have animals around us. We love going for walks and meeting neighbors. We love finding out about little secret finds in communities and villages, little parks. or How about the bell ringing we had in England when we went for a coffee at the church? And they said, oh, you ought to come and ring the bells with us. You don't normally get that.
1: We're in this belfry that's... I don't know, 1,500 years old, maybe maybe 500, about that. I mean, whatever it is, it's real old. And we're up there. They're explaining everything to us, and they taught us how to ring the bells. Like it was a rehearsal. Um, now, where do you get that? And we had said one of the things we laid out that we wanted to to do through our retirement was we wanted to learn what it was like to live in various places,
0: Like locals. live like a local.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you, you take a dog for a walk and there's nothing better. They are like a magnet to other people that will stop and make a comment about your dog and ask the dog's the name and what kind of dog is it? And the next thing you know, where are you from? And before you know it-
0: Come on over and have uh, a cup of coffee. You've,
1: uh, <laughs> in England, they call it like, a cuppa.
0: A cuppa too. <laughs> yeah, a cuppa. <laughs>
1: And uh, it's so it's a great way to meet people and make friends and learn about the community because the community at the dog park will tell you no 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 you don't want to go to that restaurant you want to go to this one it's much better um, and as less that expensive. That happened in
0: Ventura. In Ventura, if you remember when we were in California? Yep. That was really excellent. So, so if you look at how pet sitting has impacted the reinvention of our retirement, um, it has brought an elegance. To travel. It's the kind of travel we like to. It's long-term. It's slow. You get very immersed and involved in the community. It's broadened our world, not only geographically, but with new friends, with new ideas, how to cook on a new stove. (laughs) And that brings me to the, the final big thing around this pet sitting is it's kept us adaptable. I think something that can happen when people retire or get older is sometimes we can get a little rigid, a little stuck in our ways, lose our flexibility. And as we walk into take over someone's life for a month or so, we do things the way they want them done. And so we've learned a lot of new things.
1: Well, in some cases, when you go into, uh, I'm reminded of going into a home in Lausanne, France, which is not far from Bordeaux. Uh, It's in the country. It's a small little village of, how many people would you say? 600. 600 people. Um, We had three cats, so we didn't do a lot of walking. Oh, we had ducks
0: and hens. and
1: (laughs) Still no walking. (laughs) No walking. (laughs) But we walked into town every day. Um, But everything, because it was France and because it was in the country of France, where uh, the English was not spoken very often, there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything from the street signs to the ordering a cup of coffee in the morning uh, to ordering a Guinness in the afternoon or or a wine in the afternoon, uh, everything is new. The language is new. The food is new. The directions are new. The signs are new. The language is new. Everything is new. And and that's not a burden. As it turned out, I was the one in our relationship that it had become rigid over the years. And all of a sudden it started to soften me because everything was new and I had to be receptive to new.
0: And we had to laugh a lot. I mean had when to. you went to Sebastian's to order your birthday what, steak, steak my
1: ribeye. Who knew kidding? it was
0: gonna be half a cow?
1: It was enormous. We were in a line in this butcher shop. And Sebastian, I've got a picture of Sebastian with this saw. And he's, he's cutting this ribeye on the bone. And it's got to be an inch and a half or two inches thick.
0: Even two inches either. And the
1: guys in the line behind us with their, their families were laughing. And I, they, didn't, they didn't speak English. So I couldn't find out what. I asked Sebastian, what are they laughing at? And he said, well, they think that's a lot. <laughs> um steak like- well, it was four meals <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyhow so um so those are some of the real benefits in, in how we reinvented our life. By the way, my um thyroid is now under control, I've lost sixteen pounds, uh, my knees feel better. I mean it's been uh physically there's a lot of um betterment to me personally, and you too, John.
1: Wouldn't yes oh, for sure I'm much more relaxed I'm much more active and involved in our life than I was before um and and it gets better and better all the time. The animals have a way of doing that to you, and uh you know I remember early on uh, we were in San Miguel de Allende for the first time in two thousand early 2016. And we met this couple and we asked them some, they had been on the road for a long time, not pet sitting, but they, they were just on the road and we asked them for some advice on being on the road. And they said, yeah, best advice is stay out of the restaurants. And we looked at them rather oddly. They said, you'll go broke. You'll go broke if, if you spend lunch and dinner in a restaurant every single day. Well, um, I thought that was really good advice. And then all of a sudden it became like we wanted to cook more. We wanted to stay home more. We wanted to learn more. And it just eased us up and it changed my, my view of what, travel was going to be for me. Yeah. You know, I thought travel was going to be lunch and dinner.
0: Yeah, eating out, going to ruins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, and then what has happened is one of our favorite things is going to the mercado or to the food markets. And actually in San Miguel, oh. your little grandmother... Dominga. Dominga, who loves you and gives you a, a banana or an orange every time you come to visit her, she comes up to your waist and she looks at you and she just lights up as you, as she suffers through your... Spanish.
1: <laughs> yeah, I butcher the Spanish and Dominga. You got to get this. I mean, Bev's five four,
0: barely. Barely.
1: <laughs> well, Bev towers over Dominga. Um, she's this little, tiny little woman who is just got this a million dollar smile, and she. We went back five years after we went there the first time, and she remembered us. She gave us an orange.
0: (laughs) It's so wonderful. It's some of the heartwarming stories about um, how we have reinvented our retirement to incorporate pet sitting and reinvented travel for us. And this, as you'll learn as we go through our episodes, this kind of experience is open to anyone. We know a lot of solo pet sitters, young ones. We know um, uh, widows who are pet sitters, couples. It doesn't matter.
1: So... Here's the first part of it. You know, it's kind of like how did you bump into pet sitting and why do you do it? Well, we we let's do with why first. The why part is um it actually makes travel more affordable for us. Number 1. And I don't mean that's the most important, but it's what that's one benefit. Another benefit is it gives us the freedom to see places that we never would dream of going to—Big
0: Bear, Georgia, where we are right now. Big Canoe, Georgia. That's um, right.
1: You know, Luzon, France, uh, Cray, France. Uh, you know, places in England that we would uh, we would tell people we were going to Bishop Auckland, and they'd go, "What country's that in?"
0: Let alone Australia, where we're in the bush.
1: Yep. <laughs> I mean, we never would dream of going to these places. You know, originally we were gonna go to big cities. Well, we avoid big cities com- almost completely almost, now. Almost, almost, yeah. Um, you know, we go on, on occasion. So that's, it it gives us um, access to places and to people and to cultures and to languages and to cuisine that we never thought we'd ever have access to. That's the second piece. Uh, I think the third piece is it has, for me at least, it has softened me as a human being. Um, It has, I can remember people saying to us, do not go to Naples and do not go to Morocco. Naples is dangerous and Morocco is um, a different religion and it's, it's also dangerous. And we just said, you know, there's something not... Ringing true about that. And we went to... What do you mean that Naples is dangerous? Well, there's pickpockets. Well, have you ever been to New York? I mean, you know, there's pickpockets everywhere.
0: We loved Naples.
1: Um, And we loved Naples. We have
0: lifelong friends from that trip. Still. I mean, we just... And we will see them again.
1: We will. And Morocco was was the... An experience of a lifetime. Experience of a lifetime. And we were in Agadir, Morocco, which is down south... And it's the first time in my life I had ever felt like a minority um, because everybody around us, were, all the men were wearing robes and the, the hats that they wear or the caps that they wear. And they all spoke a different language. It was either French or Berber or. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you, I discovered in Morocco that people are as kind and as generous as you allow them to be. And that softened me a great deal to be able to travel wherever I want to go because I know that people are going to be kind and generous if I just allow them to be and if I smile at them once in a while.
0: Yeah. So that's this episode.
1: That's the whole episode? <laughs> I
0: think so. There's a How? lot. We could go on forever because it's impacted our relationship and that's a whole, that's an episode. Well, yeah, I mean, that's,
1: that's, that's, there's that's a smart.
0: lot. There's so much uh, to be discovered
1: it impacted our relationship in a good way. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so with that... We're done. See you in the next podcast.
1: Bye.